to Simpler. We are three pastors, husbands, and fathers on a journey to make life simpler by holding Jesus as the core for every belief and practice. This journey has shaped us to be more like Christ, freed us from the shame of failure, and encouraged us to a deeper love of our Lord and God. We invite you to join us in the discussions that have shaped and continue to shape our lives. He came running back in as a snake, and so... It was maybe, maybe 24-inch uh, bull snake, and it was mean. It was aggressive. Oh, dude. And so but I pinned it with my golf club, and we were able to hold it, and mm. Asher wanted to hold it for a little bit. So it's a super careful transfer, and I'm reminding him, look, this is a non-venomous snake, but it'll still bite, and it'll still freak you out, and it'll, like... Yeah. But it was it was fun. He... Did it bite him? No. But my boys, like, they love snakes because... I love snakes, you know, and mm-hmm. so snakes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you pointed it out. I was going to keep going. Snakes. 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 You're going to get a good. snack after school. Yeah, that's really good. You want a snack? <laughs> you want a snack? Yeah. Snakes. So whenever you pinned it, mm-hmm. so you said you pinned it with a golf club, do you pin it behind the head? Yeah. So you just, you don't, you're not trying to crush it, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, Stacy, I texted Stacy. I texted Stacy and Robert, and Robert Stacy was like, "I would have killed that thing." Yeah, mm-hmm. I was like, "No, it's a good snake." He goes, "Doesn't matter." <laughs> he was like, "It's dead." <laughs> and uh, I was like, "Don't worry, Stacy." I said, "If you ever see a snake, I'll come rescue you." And he goes, "No, you have to rescue the snake." Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like I'm just killing it. Yeah, but you just apply a little pressure to the back of its head. Mm-hmm. You need to apply apply, apply enough pressure. Apply the snake. <laughs> <laughs> apply enough pressure that it won't pull out. Yeah, yeah. So that you can. <laughs> So that you can pick it up behind the head. <laughs> I was doing my best not to look over at Mike. Oh. You guys are terrible. <laughs> you guys are terrible. My goodness. You cannot confide what, in us. Yeah. What are we talking about again? <laughs> I can't, I can't be an adult with you guys. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you cannot have that conversation <laughs> and use that term. Oh, that looks cool. That is cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, I had a big change of heart when, uh, I guess it was before I bought my first house. I thought it was when I bought my house, but it was just before that. Uh, talking about, hey, this is a good snake. I'll, I'll just get it away from my house, but it can go do mm-hmm. the good things that it does for the ecosystem, the environment, fun stuff like that. I had a big change of heart with spiders because spiders eat so many bugs. Like, especially, I think what it was, was there's so many mosquitoes on our back porch, but we were like, we were like killing every spider we saw. And so finally I was like, we got to leave these spiders. But I made, I make deals with spiders like a crazy, like a crazy person. But the reason why I do is because the very first time it worked for about six months, I walked out and there's just one spider there and he was right eye level. And I was like, man, I want you here. I told him, I talked, I talked to him, which is like an insane person. I was like, I want you here, man, but you can't be in my face. You got to get up in that corner. Yeah. And then I was like, you know what, man, I'll even, t- I'll do you one better. You build a big enough web. I'll kill every other spider, but you. And then for the next like month or two, anytime I saw a spider, I'd look at him, look at the spider. and I'd light it up with my lighter, just kill this other spider and be like, this is your turf, man. I'm help- I'm helping you out. And I said, I got deals though. You said, you cannot have babies, no babies. I don't want to mess with little like egg sacs and try to get all those figured out. And then about three or four months in, I came out of there one day and this whole backside of the wall was just lined with egg sacs. And I was like, did you get busy, dude? What's going on? And so then I, I told him and I kept my word. I killed all of his babies in front of him and then I killed him. 
Wow. Like a like a warlord. <laughs> like it, some sort of like a mafia boss yeah. or something. Yeah. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He did that to to Hezekiah. I told him he I was like, all I'm going to get Old Testament on you. Yeah. And I did. Have you seen the cartoon? It's floated around the internet for a long time. It's I forget who the artist is. His cartoons are pretty recognizable, but a guy gently sees a spider and he gently lets the spider out of the house. He's like, look, I'm not going to hurt you, but go back outside where you belong. Mm -hmm. And so then the spider's outside telling all of his spider friends, this guy's really nice. And, <laughs> and in the next panel, the guy's getting in bed and it's dark. And he's like, hey, sir, I, I wanted to introduce you to some of my friends. And so he turns the light back on and the whole room's covered <laughs> in spiders. And it's just like, you know, the panic that yeah. you would feel. It's like, hey, man, look, look, I brought all my friends back. They're all here, man. There was a cockroach in my bathroom Ugh. Well, back in, uh, it was like into the wall a little bit. Mm -hmm. So like I could just barely see it. And I was like, I know if I like, I can't smush it because... It'll run away. Mm -hmm. So I totally did a Bruce Lee thing. I got a pair of needle nose pliers and just went and grabbed his head. <laughs> and I was like, I felt such pride in that moment. Like, <laughs> you got to be so quick to get that yeah. sucker. And I like walk around the house showing the boys. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Mr. That's Miyagi dope. catching yeah. the flies yeah, with the dope. chopsticks, man. There you go. That's what yeah. I should have done. It's chopsticks. I would have, there would still been a bunch of cockroaches in my house. <laughs> <laughs> right. Really, I want to get really good with a, a blow dart gun oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. and just shoot spiders. Have you seen and those shoot. Uh, salt guns? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's one in here. Actually. Oh, yeah. yeah Steven, Steven has Steven one. Steven has one over here, yeah. Yeah, he shot. We had like four wasps last summer, and he just like pegged each one. Or no. was there a nest in here? Yeah, do you remember? It ended up being like 18 that we oh, found. Oh, was it really? Yeah, we, we saw one, and then kept, we saw another. Coming out. And then they were coming in from the the padding up there by the ceiling. Yeah, he shot and, a few. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if he... I'm glad I didn't die. I'm allergic to wasps, so I'm, yeah. glad, I'm glad that worked out. You know what else works out? Let's go over to the PCC, everybody. Come on over here with me. To Pierce's Culture Corner. So, if you uh, follow anything around news with Disney remakes, so Disney for the last, I don't know, 10 years, 10, 15 years has been re releasing classics, Cinderella. Uh, the most recent one this year is A Little Mermaid, and there's a big up in arms whenever Disney cast a black woman to play Ariel. Everybody freaked out, people were freaking out about it. And there's different different arguments, different cases. One of the arguments on this side that was really okay with it was, hey, um, this is a fictional character. It's a mermaid. Mermaids don't exist. Who cares what color the skin the mermaid is? <laughs> on the other side, they were like, well, it's a Danish fairy tale. Like, there's no, there's not really any black people in Denmark. And so why, why can't we just hold true to the origins of the fairy tale? Why do we have to change it? And so a lot of back and forth, but still the, the black woman was cast and her voice is brilliant. I haven't seen the movie yet, but they've seen the trailers. I've seen the clips and her voice is brilliant. She seems to really own the role and really get into it. So that's cool. Does that's she fun. want to be where the people are? She wants to be where the people are. That song, it's probably because of that commercial, but that song has been stuck in my head. I'll just be in, the, in my room. I'm at my desk by myself. And I'll where they walk. Uh, I'll where they, they walk. That's, yeah, because I never do part of your world. It's, it's always like uh, whenever she's talking about the fire, what's the word? Burr. Yeah. <laughs> just drags it out forever. They changed um, some of the lyrics to Kiss the Girl. Oh, yeah? Because they felt um, in the Me Too movement that it was too aggressive. Uh, because it's singing like, there you see her, you want to kiss her? Asked to kiss the girl. Yeah, and so they changed some of the lyrics because they're like, ooh, he doesn't have consent. <laughs> For real. <laughs> I'm curious what the words are. Yeah. It's like them there trying to... Have you ever been her. in middle school? <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Ask her if it is okay. <laughs> uh, so anyway, they uh, they recently cast Lilo and Stitch. Lilo and Stitch uh, is a story about an alien that crash lands on a Hawaiian island, and so you have a Hawaiian family that takes this alien in. I've never seen and that one. It's a fun movie. It's I was a kid when it came out. It was fun. 
There's a character named Nani in that movie who is Lilo's older sister. And there's an uproar about her race because while she is Hawaiian, she's not dark enough to play the character according to the left liberal side of the oh, discussion gosh. and the they argument. So, so they, she's Hawaiian. They're saying she's not truly representing Hawaiian people. But she's Hawaiian. But she's Hawaiian because, <laughs> because in the animation, she's darker than what this woman actually is. But they're okay with the Little Mermaid. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that, that's the whole, that's the inconsistency, right? So like the woman, I mean, the woman who played Little Mermaid is definitely darker than Ariel. I mean, I think we can say that for sure. But, uh, <laughs> but like, well, who are they this getting to play one, Stitch? Is I know. That, is is, it, is, is he the proper shade of blue? <laughs> like, how does that work? So what's funny, so the, what's there some are of the blue people in the Appalachian Mountains. That's true. They, did they cast one of those? Are they really being representative? Uh, what's So people are saying they're actually comparing it to the animation, which I think is funny. They're having like face-to-face comparisons, but also they're digging deep into a race. So she is raised in Hawaii, but she's half Hawaiian. Her mother is uh, as a British lady who moved to Hawaii and had a kid, right? I mean, what's also funny too is that- and that People who are new to the podcast don't know that you, you are. <laughs> I'm a half-breed. If you're doing audio only, yeah. <laughs> Mike is a half-breed. Uh, then, so they're, they're, they're looking into her background. See, she does, she's not really a true Hawaiian. She can't fit this mold. But also people are responding so back stupid. to it. It's stupid. People are responding back like, she's Hawaiian. We cast a Hawaiian lady who knows Hawaiian culture, who grew up in Hawaii, but also- her skin tone matches who they cast as um, Lilo. And so they look like sisters just based off of, it'd be, it'd be interesting to have a super dark uh, Hawaiian and then a really light skinned Hawaiian. It'd be confusing. And so they look like they're related already, but nobody had an issue with Lilo being cast as light skin. And so <laughs> it's just this it's weird, crazy. it's so interesting just to nitpick all those things. And it's also interesting just like, I don't know, I've, I'm still, I'm still like last week, I'm still kind of gathering my thoughts on all this. I know my initial thought is very, confused and just like why do we have to be so inconsistent with this um but also like one of the things too they released uh i think later this year they're rebooting teenage mutant ninja turtles and ariel or not ariel uh, <laughs> april in that is now a black woman and so some people were getting up in arms like i don't know why, why do we have to change like uh, i understand i understand the stories that are like cultural yeah like if it's in Hawaii, it would be weird to have a bunch of like redheaded, pasty white people. Yeah, as, super you know weird, what I mean? right? So yeah. like, yeah. I understand the that cultural stories, dumb. but like in with, the stories where it doesn't matter. Exactly. I don't understand why. And with, uh, yeah, some people a- talked April about. April being black or white or she's Asian, still, she's still a reporter. She's still friends. anything about exactly. the story. Exactly. She's still, she's still friends with the turtle. She's still yeah. a reporter. Um, and what, so, what's super funny is I saw a deal on this last week, right? So people are comparing fiction to reality. And so some people are like, well, would you like it if Matt Damon was Martin Luther King? And you're like, that's completely different. <laughs> it's, completely, it's not a fictional story. No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, who cares if the mermaid, Little Mermaid is black? And who cares if, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. who cares? Yeah. I'm, but Martin I'm, Luther I'm, King, you cast, to my point, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, Pels, you, you cast Ed Sheeran as that'd Martin be Luther so, King. That'd be so funny. <laughs> I'd lose it. Th- that's problematic. Yeah. yeah right. I think there's different there's different aspects of telling the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From, I don't think it means you couldn't. So, like, for example, we're only looking at it as, as an American perspective. Mm-hmm. But, like, let's say you were having this, this conversation in, like, Southeast Asia, and they were like, we're going to do a play mm-hmm. about this. 
in Southeast Asia, there's not that many people that don't look like Southeast Asia. Exactly, so like exactly everybody right, yeah. cast for the parts are going to be Southeast Asian. So you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Like it's yeah. it's culturally dictated as sure. well, like in wherever you are. Yeah. yeah. So the benefit of the U.S., what's so beautiful about the U.S. is that we have so many different people from yeah. different cultures. cultures. I'm going to stop saying races, actually, because I'm kind of sick of the conversation. That's true. We're That's literally all the same race. We just have one person has more me uh, melanin in their skin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. different culture. So like it's... I just hate the idea now that race has become such a big thing when it's actually not even a racial issue. It's a cultural sure. issue. I, I think I haven't watched very much of it, but I think one thing that's kind of neat about the chosen is compared to the Jesuses in the movies that I grew up with, mm -hmm. he actually looks more authentic. <laughs> like, yeah. I think the whole cast is like, like yeah, they all look like they're from that I era. Think, yeah. That they, area. I think they are a lot of them, right? Are they? Yeah. And so what's really cool about that is there was, when you grew up, there was a, there was a, Christian singer, kind of a comedian dude, but he was talking about like, he used to be scared at Sunday school of the Jesus with the blue eyes and the Pantene Pro V blonde <laughs> hair coming down, his, you know, like, yeah. but like, that's not what Jesus would look like. And so, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. so that, again, I think that that representation matters. Yeah. And I think if you're coming at it from, coming at it from a standpoint of, I want to tell this story well, the culture is important. Let me yes. rep, let me represent this culture well. Yeah. Or these are one hundred. These is this is turtles and a lady. So like it's yeah. not it's not a big deal. I just want to tell the story well instead of trying to make it a statement or have an agenda yeah. behind it. I think for, that's the issue is that they're trying yeah. to make it a statement. Mm -hmm. Like what's the intention and purpose behind it? Like, exactly. Is did you ca do a casting for this show and literally like the best people you can get were like different color yeah, yeah. skin than. Yeah, I get it. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. like, what's the, are you trying to make a statement by who you cast or are you just trying to cast people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. I have those questions as well. Mm. That's not what we're talking about today, Ryan. What are we talking about today? Pierce, today we are talking about the Lord's Supper and uh, communion, some people call it. Um, and we're talking about that today for a couple of reasons. Uh, it's, it's something that we've kind of gone through diff different iterations of. And it's something that has was uh, part of a discussion that I was in in April with several different people. Uh, so, yeah. But Ryan, when we take the Lord's Supper, doesn't the bread and wine actually become Jesus's <laughs> flesh and blood? Well, actually, just Pierce. settle it here now. Okay. <laughs> no, no Pierce, it does no. not. Um, some people would argue that from John 6, but we'll get into that in a moment. Uh, so the Lord's Supper, it's an interesting thing. It's something that I don't remember how many years ago it was that we were doing the Lord's Supper and I just kind of had this crisis in the middle of doing the Lord's Supper at church and it was like, crap. And then I told you guys the next day at staff meeting, so we can't do that for a little while. I, gotta, I, I need to do some research. And so th there are so many different views on the Lord's Supper, but for the, like, let, let's kind of set the basis of it and then we can go into some different views on it. The last night of the life of Christ, he is celebrating Passover with the disciples. And after finishing the Passover supper, he takes the bread and he says, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he takes the wine and he says, this is my, the blood of the new covenant poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And so he institutes what we call the Lord's Supper. The, the best instruction we have for it, it's mentioned a couple of times in, <clears throat> in Acts, the best instruction we have for it, or the most thorough instruction we have for it is 1 Corinthians 11, mm -hmm. where Paul says that I have given to you what was also given to us by Christ. And that is this, that this Lord's Supper, and it is for the purpose, according to 1 Corinthians 11, the purpose of it is to proclaim the death of Christ until he returns. It is a way to uh, commemorate and reflect on and think about what the death of Christ has accomplished. It's a proclamation um, to one another and a remembrance, a reminder um, of what the death of Jesus accomplished until he returns. 
Now, there are a lot of debates, and and what shifted it for me was in First Corinthians eleven. It talks about don't take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, because some have, who have done so have become sick or weak or even died. And a lot of people that I respect growing up, uh, they would say something like, "Hey, before you take the Lord's Supper tonight, if you have any unconfessed sin that you need to bring before you and God, be sure you do that." Because if you take the Lord's Supper and you have unconfessed sin, you might become sick or weak or even die. And and so people would say, uh, the the language they would use is, you need to get right with God before mm-hmm. you take the Lord's Supper. And we used that language. Well, that's that's my point, right? <laughs> yeah. So here we here we were. Uh, we were meeting in the building on College Hill Street, and we had maybe at this point 35, 40 people coming to the church at the 456. And I gave that spiel. And I said, and look, don't take this if you're not right with God. And as the people are walking forward, this thought goes through my head. And I was like, so these people are only right with God if they've asked for forgiveness today. It, so it doesn't have anything to do with the blood of Jesus. Like the blood of Jesus isn't sufficient. And yeah, I said, we're going to celebrate this, but say this isn't enough. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to celebrate the body and the blood of Jesus, which was given for forgiveness of sins, but then say that if you're coming with a bad attitude or some unconfessed sin in your heart, that you're not forgiven. You're not forgiven. Like, how does that work? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so I, it was too late. <laughs> people, are, <laughs> people are already coming. We're handing out the bread and the juice. And I'm just like, I, I'm like hot. Like I'm sweating down my back. I can feel Did it. Did we just, just have juice at that point? We weren't yeah, serving wine yet. Yeah. Just juice at that point. Oh, that wasn't until after we. Yeah. So we yeah. took like a year and four months, something after like that, that to after talk that about day. it and think yeah. about it. Yeah. And, and, and so I mentioned to you guys the next morning, I said, look, <laughs> I said, or at the next day at staff meeting. And I said, um, so, you know, we always say this, we always say, don't take this in an unworthy manner. If you have any unchecked sin in your heart, deal with it so you can be right with God. And I just said, none of us actually believe that. Like we all believe that through faith in Christ, you're right with God. <laughs> and we all kind of just looked at each other and we're like, yeah. And I was like, so can we, can we just take a moment to, and I was like, I don't know. I just need some time to do some research and to look and to think. And then y'all were cool with that. And and we we didn't take the Lord's Supper again for like a year and three months because I wanted to study it more and I wanted to mm-hmm. talk to people more about it and look at more what the Bible had to say. So one of the things that changed for us is we quit saying, um, we quit telling people like get right with God before you take the Lord's Supper because I don't think that's what Paul's actually saying in First Corinthians eleven. So in First Corinthians eleven, um, Paul is. It's interesting because in my Bible that I'm reading or have in front of me right now, the Lord's Supper section doesn't begin till verse 23, which is actually unfair because he's talking about it before then. That's interesting. Mine starts mm-hmm. in 17 on the heading. Yeah, Does too. it? That's awesome. It should start in 17. Yeah. Because if it starts in 23, it's like it's already it's biased. Too late, yeah. yeah. So he he's talking about the people um, coming together and, and he says... Uh, he says, there, there are factions among you so that who is approved can be evident. When you meet together, verse 20 is, I mean, if you're going to start it, it has to at least start in verse 20, uh, but back in 17 is better. Therefore, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's supper for in your eating, each one takes his supper first. And then, and, and then one is hungry and another is drunk. And he says, what, do you not have houses in which to eat and drink? Or do you, do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I will not praise you. So he frames for us what's happening in the church, that the assembly of the believers are coming together 
and they have a supper. It's not anything like what we do in our churches today with little token elements, but they're having a supper Mm -hmm. with the intention of this supper, this bread and wine being a proclamation of the death of Christ. That is the intention of this supper. It is not to be full. It is not your daily meal. It is a representative supper, but it's an actual supper. And I think that that's part of what we miss, right? Mm Because I have never been in a church where the Lord's Supper was actually a supper. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always been the, the Lord's small snack. <laughs> like we should maybe we should we should just start calling it that the the Lord's morsel. <laughs> Can we say snack? Snack? <laughs> yes. No, because that's snake. Oh yeah, yeah. We have to say that in the Garden of Eden there was a wicked snack. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um. There were people who were coming to the assembly, whatever that looked like, in, in from home to home, and they were coming into the assembly and they were gorging themselves on the food prior to, there, there were poor people among them, people who didn't like, for some people, the implication is that this was actually going to be their supper because mm-hmm. he goes, you have some poor among you, right? Uh, do you despise the church? Do you shame those who have nothing? And so some people were coming in and filling their bellies on this meal, which was supposed to be symbolic, and they were getting drunk on this wine. And Paul goes, you have food and drink at home. Like if the aim is to get full and get drunk, do that at home. And then later he says, don't take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. Contextually speaking, there is no context here for repentance. There is no context here for unchecked sin. There isn't, were you wicked yesterday at work? Did you say something mean to your spouse? Were you having an argument on your way to church this morning? None of that is is in discussion. None of that is in view. Mm-hmm. What's in view are these people who are... um disregarding the purpose of the Lord's Supper. Mm -hmm. That's what it means to take it in an unworthy manner. Mm -hmm. Here is a clear intention for the Lord's Supper, and if you are disregarding the intention and using it as your meal and gorging yourself and getting drunk on the wine, you have disregarded the purpose of the Lord's Supper. So can we just say up front that probably the majority of Southern Baptist churches cannot take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner because you cannot get drunk on grape juice. Right. Well, and <laughs> and like you're not getting enough. Even if you had no, wine. I'm just, I'm just you know, right? That, yeah. No, no, no. I'm, but it's a but the joke about it, the joke about it, it makes the point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it, the joke's appropriate yeah. because it shows how ludicrous this is. Mm-hmm. And so if you're in a Baptist church or even if you're in a church that actually does serve wine. I mean, we could say that there's someone who could come in and grab all of the wafers <laughs> at one time <laughs> yeah. and just eat, eat, eat. Like, yeah, tell me, there's, that's, not, that's tell me there's not some like six year old kid who found the leftovers. And just, yeah, <laughs> you know that's, that's possible. Right. <laughs> but not likely. It's a yeah. Point. yeah. It, it makes you wonder about the priests who have to consume all the leftover bread and the, the wine because they do believe it. <laughs> It's the body and the blood. And it's like, man, are you taking it in an unworthy manner? <laughs> you, got a, you got a little bit of a buzz going on, yeah. you know? I heard a story one time about a Catholic priest who was doing, he was doing the Lord's Supper at a wedding and he accidentally dropped the wafer down the front of the dress oh, of the bride. No. And because he believes that's Jesus. They can't touch it. Like the woman can't touch it. Well, and he has to go get it. He mm-hmm. has to touch it. He has to get oh, it. Yeah. Oh, so he no. just stuck his hand down there and got it. And <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine I being had a hard time at that not point of being the groom. Yeah, like, right. Anyways, so. Yeah. I'd be like, you don't get to first base before I get to first base. <laughs> hey, uh, what's funny in that conversation, thought real quick, is like a, as we shifted just in that context of just saying right. we don't we don't think that taking the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner contextually is anything except for um, doing the Lord's Supper in a manner other than remembering Jesus, which right. I think is maybe more of a general way to say it. Right. Um, I, I feel like that would maybe be a good application in terms of, because we don't have the meal Right. is like, are you taking this in a way that is not intended to remember Jesus? Yeah. That is 
for some other purpose. And maybe that might be too harsh to some degree for some people, but like, I think that might be an application. This is the purpose of it. This is the purpose of it, right? So taking it in a manner that is other than the purpose. And then more specifically, what Paul's talking about here is, is in a way that where you're like eating it as a meal and, and, and getting drunk on the wine. So like, that seems to be contextually what he means by take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. What I have not heard from anybody who used to be in the camp we were in, where we would say that that means you got to get rid of all the sin that's in your life and, and ask repentant or have have a repentant heart and ask forgiveness for it. Um, I haven't had a rebuttal. Yeah. It's almost literally, it's almost like until we say that, people go, huh, I've never thought about that before. They've just regurgitated what they've always heard. Which is yeah. what I was doing. Absolutely. Because it seemed... Because I think what we want to do is we want to treat the Lord's Supper with uh, a level of solemnity. And mm-hmm. so from my impression, my, my feeling about it was, look, this is a really good time to evaluate your heart. So mm-hmm. this is how we do it with solemnity. But like, and I would actually, I think now I feel like I'm the flip of that. I would say like, maybe you showed up today and we're about to take the Lord's Supper and you've got all kinds of crazy sin in your life. Yep. My thought is, how about you take the bread and you take the wine of the grape juice and you say, Jesus, remind me of what you've done for me. Yeah. And and let that be the thing that launches you to a place where you're like, I've got to stop being stupid. I've got to quit diving into the sin. I've got to remember who I am in Christ. Yeah. So that's an interesting thing because there are people who believe that the Lord's Supper imparts special grace to you, hmm. that when you take the Lord's Supper, it imparts special grace. And I, I talked to my good friend Jed about this because he is the only really close friend I have that grew up in a different kind of church background than me or any of my other friends. And so I called him one day and I was just like, look, man, I know that you guys do the Lord's Supper every week. I know um, I have some questions. And I was like, do you believe that it imparts grace? And he goes, yes. And I said, grace different than the cross? And he goes, no, no, no. He goes, the cross is the means for grace, like salvation and forgiveness and righteousness, right? He said, he goes, but he goes, when a person comes in to church and it's been a week and it's been a heck of a week, like crappy week for them, exactly what you just said, Micah, he goes, he goes, the Lord's Supper serves as a reminder to them of who Christ is, what he's accomplished, what what he has imparted to us through his body and his blood. And he goes, and that is grace. That is God giving us grace by, in the sense that he is reminding us, like, mm-hmm. look at my grace, look at my, oh, I got you. so it brings to remembrance what he's done. It's just a weird way to say it, that it imparts grace. Well, he, but that's what I'm saying is like from, from his perspective, it doesn't give a different grace than the cross. It reminds you of the grace that of the I cross. could, I could yeah, go yeah. with the yeah, people yeah. who say it like, like the actual physical action of, of eating the bread and drinking the wine or the juice. Somehow that, that physical action imparts the grace. That's weird to me. Yeah. Well, we can't see anything in the scripture that would, that no, I think there's nothing there. It, it would be the same conversation as someone saying you need to repent of your sin before you take the Lord's supper. Right. Mm-hmm. So the other thing, uh, this was five, six years ago when all this happened. The other thing that we we did is we put together some scriptures so that we read these scriptures every time that we do the Lord's Supper. I'm working on changing some of that, but uh, just to make it a little more clear, I think. But um, one of the thing, one of the questions that I asked is, how far can you get away from the symbols before they quit being symbolic? Mm-hmm. And so I just posed the question, ludicrous question, but could you spread grape jelly on toast and call it the Lord's Supper? <laughs> and and most people would go, well, no, that's ridiculous. And so. So how far away do we get from unleavened bread and wine before it loses its purpose, mm-hmm. right? And I, and I don't have an answer to that question, but one of the things that we started doing is using unleavened bread and we made wine available as well. So we recognize that in our culture that there are some people who are uncomfortable touching alcohol, period. Mm-hmm. And so we have juice available and we have wine available, but it surprised us, at least me, I can't speak for you guys. I was surprised when we started introducing the wine as well, how many people took it. 
rather than the grape juice. Like, well, yeah, because I feel strongly, about, a lot stronger than you do about that. About which, which is funny juice. because we didn't feel strongly about no, that at one no. point, right? Like, I, I hate it. Yeah, I hate the grape juice. Um, I don't, I don't mind making it available, but I yeah. hate what I mean is I hate that that's been like the standard. Yeah, because here's the conversation I've had with pastors, and they hate this mm-hmm. conversation, but. Because I'll have, every once in a while at a camp in the summer, I'll have, we'll get into a conversation about Lord's Supper and a pastor will be like, yeah, we, you know, we shouldn't serve anything but grape juice. And I'll ask him why. And he's like, well, you know, you might cause someone to like be tempted over alcohol. And I'll ask him a few questions up front that don't have to do with the scripture. Like, well, are you okay okay with opiates? Like, do you mind with that your people have surgery and then they take opiates after their surgery to like (laughs) help with the pain? Like, what's the difference for you between opiates and alcohol? Or I'll ask questions like that and they can't answer because they probably don't even know what opiates are. True. Um, but those of us who play disc golf are a little more <laughs> versed in the ways of the anyway, side. But anyways, I'll ask him about the text. Like, what is it about like the text that makes you think that this is an okay thing to do to serve grape juice? And, and I'm not saying like just offer grape juice. I'm saying like exclusively serve grape juice. Right. <clears throat> and they'll say, well, I just feel like it's, it's, it's the best thing to do like for our culture. And I'll, and I'll ask him like, okay, so you're saying every example in the scripture is wine. Every yeah. example. Yeah. There's not any other example. And you're saying because of culture, you're willing to change what the scripture's saying. Yeah. I said, that's a slippery slope. At what point do you start saying, I'm going to change the cross a little bit because it fits my culture better? Like even today, like at what point are you going to start saying, I'm going to be, uh, what's the word for the LGBTQIA, AA, nine or seven? Like what that <laughs> churches call themselves to, the, to that uh, group? Affirming. Affir- like, yeah. are you going to be affirming because that's a cultural thing instead of standing up for the gospel? Because that's not right. like, at what point do you start saying, I'm going to pick this as part of the scripture that I'm going to uphold and this is as not because of culture. Yeah. So, um, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, why would you sacrifice what the scripture is saying just for the sake of culture? And then I had one guy one time be like, well, grape juice is basically wine. It's like pre-wine. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, okay, listen, I was like, they're two separate things. Let me give you an example. I was like, if I go grab a, like a limb off a tree outside and say, Hey, this is a pre-guitar. Yeah. <laughs> that's the dumbest thing I've ever said. I'm like, like it's not, yeah. it's wood. And yeah. it could turn into a guitar later, but it could also turn into a spoon or it could sure. turn yeah. into firewood or, but like, it's, it's not, they're two separate things. So don't, that was, that's why I feel strongly about it. Yeah. It's because what I, I think has happened is, is that we have given into a cultural viewpoint from the late 1800s of the prohibition era that has filtered into a lot of our conservative culture of, of Christianity in most of our Western churches, where we say things like we're opposed to alcohol, but not for a biblical reason, for a cultural reason. That's sure. why I feel strongly about it. It's because people are doing that with the Lord's supper in a way that has never been done until like the last yeah. 150 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that is outrageous to me that we change the scripture because of our cultural perspective. Yeah. That's stupid. That's why I say it's stupid. No, I, I think, I think you're right. I think it's, uh, um, and with our current, situation in our church. Uh, we have 15 minutes between services. We don't have a good way right now to do the Lord's Supper. I've had several people ask me lately, like, why aren't we, why aren't we doing it? And I said, when we have 130 people in a room for 110, there's not a practical way for us to move and do this. You know, we're working towards oh, that. You know what we should do? We should do that at our baptism services. We yeah, should. That's a good thought. Yeah. That's a great thought mm-hmm. because I think that that would be really important. But one Although of the, the downside is that's a lot of wine. <laughs> one of the out by the out on the, by the river <laughs> instead of a little tiny yeah. little cup, or he's got a glass. <laughs> yeah. But a couple of like maybe a year ago, we were doing the Lord's Supper, and Asher, our oldest, he was like, "I'm going to get wine." He said, "I'm going to get wine today," and I was like, "Okay." And he goes, "He goes really?" <laughs> I was like, "Sure, I don't 
I don't care. It's what they use in the Bible. It's not going to bother me. And so afterwards, he never did it. Again. He looked at me and Michelle, and his face was all like, he's like, I am never doing that again. He was like, that's, that's disgusting. You know what's funny? As strongly as I feel about that, I had to tell Pierce to quit because he usually brings me the elements. I had to tell him to quit bringing me the wine yeah. because I would be singing right afterwards. And whatever wine we got that one day was like super dry. And I, I drank it and then I couldn't, I couldn't get like my voice. I couldn't sing. So I was like, so as strongly as I feel about it, I'm saying like, yeah, I, I am actually not saying it has to be wine. What I'm saying is, is let's not serve something other than wine for a cultural reason. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Agreed. I don't think it has to be wine. I yeah. think it's, I don't think it has to be unleavened bread to your question, which yeah. we maybe is a conversation for us to have about how far can you go from the symbols? Well, we, we have some gluten-free options for the, right. all the people in right. our church that I need think, that. and I could be moved, but I think the goal is to remember the body and the blood of Jesus on the cross. 100%. That's the goal. I, I don't think you can be moved from that. No, but I'm saying like, I could be moved from the other stuff. I'm saying oh, let yeah. that be the goal. Yeah. Um, I could be moved in terms of like, should we only serve unleavened bread and wine or could it be other things? Yeah. I, that's a conversation to be had. I am, where we've landed is, this has to be about remembering the body and blood of Jesus. Exactly, exactly. And I think one of the things that we miss in this instruction, so on the Lord's Supper here, well, let me... One of the things that we miss on the instruction of the Lord's Supper is that it is part of a bigger conversation that Paul's having in 1 Corinthians. Mm -hmm. And in 1 Corinthians 8 is really where this discussion begins. And he says, can you eat meat sacrificed to an idol? Yeah, of course you can eat meat sacrificed to an idol. We know that an idol is nothing, but not everybody has this knowledge. And he talks about laying down the rights that you have to eat meat sacrificed to an idol for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the the. Uh, unbeliever for the sake of the church. He uses both of those examples in 1 Corinthians 9 and in 10. Um, and then in 1 Corinthians 10, he says, it's not right to partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. So mm -hmm. all the way back in chapter 10, mm -hmm. he's mentioning the table of the Lord, which then he explains in detail in chapter 11. And so he, chapter 11 is a contrast to what he has been saying in chapters eight, nine, and 10. Like, look, you have freedom to eat meat sacrificed to an idol, but what you have to be concerned about is the gospel and how the Lord is represented. And then he brings that full circle back to the table of the Lord, mm -hmm. um, that you have to honor the table of the Lord. And so it's, it's interesting because I think we only talk about it from uh, the Lord's Supper. We only talk about chapter 11. We talk, yeah. and, and here's the other thing. So this was the conversation that I got involved in last month. And, or no, two months ago. Because um, one of the things that we don't do, we used to say, we used to say, if you're not a believer, you're not allowed to take this. And that's, that's what we used to say. That's what we used to teach. We don't put that restriction anymore. Um, we Side note, we also don't encourage people who aren't believers to take it. Right. Mm -hmm. So what we do is we explain very carefully the purpose of it. Yeah. This is a proclamation of the death of Christ until he returns. In doing this, we were proclaiming that Christ has died. Mm -hmm. um, and the conversation that changed for us was we said, as parents, why would we not want our kids to, uh, to remember the body and blood of Jesus? Why would this not be an opportunity for the gospel? Right. Sure. And so, and, and I've heard some parents say, well, you know, telling them they can't take it just makes it like there's tension, like, oh, I want to take it someday. So I need to believe in Jesus, which I think is a really bad yeah. perspective. Right. <laughs> on life. But like, that's what, if the goal is to proclaim the body and blood of, or the, the, the goal is to proclaim, if you will, the cross mm. or that the aspect of the gospel, why would I not want my kids to partake in the remembrance of Jesus? Right. And so removing in that, it was for us, it was, that was kind of the hinge point because removing like, the thought of like just random unbelievers coming to church, which is probably not like 
super common or just some random person you don't know who's an unbeliever shows up. Mm-hmm. Um, but like with your kids, biblically, that was the question we asked is like, why would we not let our kids partake in this with us? Like it, like culturally, we, I think what we said was, it seems weird that in um, Corinth, for example, Paul's saying, everybody eat the meals, eat not the meals, the meal, if you will, um, the Lord's Supper, except for the people who aren't believers. Like it's not in the text. Like it's it just se- it seems weird that you would get together as a group to eat a meal to remember the the body and blood of Jesus, but say to like your kids who aren't believers yet, you can't eat with us. It just right. seems strange contextually. Uh, granted, it's not in the text. We're just saying like the flip side as well. It's not in the text either that you can't take it unless unless you're a believer. Yeah, but we haven't to, found it. To put that restriction in, here's the thing. What people normally argue is tradition says that you have to be a believer. Mm-hmm. And I'm all for tradition so long as tradition itself isn't the foundation. Correct. Yeah. So tradition has to be founded on something. And if the tradition is founded on scripture, then okay. But if it's just tradition, then I am at least skeptical of it. Yeah. And, and so to your point, yes, we would never say, hey, and if you're not a Christian, come and take it, which was... The argument that that's what the question was that somebody brought to me. Would you ever say, "Hey, if you're not a mm. Christian, have this"? No. And I said, "No, I wouldn't." But I also wouldn't say, "And if you're not a Christian, you can't," yeah. because I don't see either of those we restrictions in the we scripture. Don't, we don't address that. We, we just say, "Here's what we're doing." We this express is to remember, the yeah, the here's body and blood of, Jesus. of it. Now, here's something that's interesting because people go, "Well, it's only for Christians," and, and so. You, you can, mean like the disciples? So yeah, so that was it. that was exactly the <laughs> question that I asked. Is I said, okay, so when Jesus is celebrating the Lord's Supper, the first Lord's Supper with his disciples and Judas, um, arguably, it's it's argue. So Judas is there for the supper. Is he still there for the Lord's Supper or not? It's hard to tell, right, from the text. Um, he may. John is probably the clearest picture of that. But yeah, it looks like Judas is still Just there for clear, the Lord's Supper. You're talking about when Jesus does the unleavened bread and the wine, that is, he said, this represents it. Cause let me back up. Mm -hmm. Well, remind me to come back to this in a second. I'll let you finish your thought, but I have a clarification on that. I think is important. Yeah. So, so here Jesus is, and he's sitting around with his disciples, um, possibly more than just the 11 or 12. Right. And he breaks the bread and he says, this is my body. And he takes the cup and he says, this is my blood. Uh, do this in remembrance of me at this point, Jesus has not died. At this point, Jesus has not been raised from the dead. At this point, the disciples in the room do not believe in the resurrection as evidenced by the fact that when he dies and is raised three days from later, they still are confused by it and they mm-hmm. aren't sure that they believe in the resurrection. Yeah. And at this point, they haven't even received the Holy Spirit. That'll be 50 days later. Right. And, and, and so these were people who I don't know if any in any way, shape, or form that you can call them Christians, if that's the term you want to use, because... Are they people of the, faith at okay, this point? Yeah, they, that's, so that's the question. Is like, have they put faith in Jesus as as Savior? Yeah. In in terms of like what he's going to do, his death and resurrection, I think they're still struggling with that. To your point, so yeah. Like, we can we can take the word Christian out. I take think, the for word that. Christian out. The the thing is that at least one of the key parts, right, from Romans ten and First Corinthians fifteen, one of the key parts of salvation is acknowledging the resurrection of Christ. Yeah, yeah. And in three days, when the tomb is empty, they're not rejoicing. Mm-hmm. They're going, man, we don't know what happened. <sighs> Weird. And so, at this point, they are not people of faith mm-hmm. when they're taking the Lord's Supper. We can debate about when that. They really are should. for sure followers of Jesus. They're followers. They're of They're disciples Jesus. of Jesus. Yeah. But, yeah. 
but they are not people who have put faith in Christ for salvation. For what he's done. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, and the purpose of the Lord's Supper is to commemorate what Christ has done. So he initiates it with people. Like, here's, here's the thing. Uh, he does say, I'm not going to eat or drink this again until I come in my Lord's, in, in, in my Father's kingdom. But it's his rules. He's God. He, he could have totally, he eats a piece of fish in a few days. He, he could have totally, <laughs> he could have totally initiated this with them on the day he was raised from the dead and said, hey, right. do except, this. But he didn't. Well, except because it's the Passover. Right. So the, he's doing it in conjunction with the, the Passover. The whole goal is to show that the Passover was actually proclaiming what he was, right. him, yeah, basically. That's he why he did it when he did it, right? right? So he's, he's taking the spot of the Passover lamb. He is saying this celebration that has been done now for thousands of years by the Jews is really about me. Mm-hmm. And he's taking ownership of Which all that. Which is why he says this is a new covenant. Right, the new covenant. And, and so it's interesting, though, because none, none of these people, men or women in this room at this time, have come to the, you're right. They believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They've misunderstood what that meant. Yep. Mm-hmm. They have followed Christ because they believe, as Peter said, that he has the words of eternal life. Where else yeah. would we go? Right. But they are still shocked by his death. Right. And they are mystified by his resurrection. Right. And, and then, and these are the people who first take the Lord's Supper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's weird to me that we would say, no, 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 look, if, if, you're, a, if you're not really, clear yet on who Jesus is, you can't take it because none of these people were really clear yet on who Jesus was. Right. Well, and okay. Even yes. And even backing up, like, where do we even get that in the first place? Right. Like, where does that come from in the text? Right. Which is the question. Like, yeah. I don't no, even think you have to make an no. argument for it. it. Just the premise needs to be like, before there's I try no to, parameter. Yeah. Before I even try to like, like support a position of, I don't think that there needs to be a parameter. I want to know where the parameter comes from in the text. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm not interested in even having the support for why I believe what I believe, if you can't even tell me why you say in, from the text, yeah, there's a restriction on this mm-hmm. besides tradition, right? For for believers, and that's what that's what can't be answered. So again, we're not encouraging non-believers to take this, right? Saying we're not standing up and going, listen, if you're not a believer here, we we want you to come take this with no, us. No, we never would. Because that's not the point. The point is that people get together to remember the body and blood of Jesus. Right. It's weird. It would be weird to me that a bunch of non-believers got together to remember Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. But if there are people there who haven't put faith in Jesus, including our kids, right? Um, hopefully, all my kids are—they've all said they put faith in Jesus. So hopefully, that's not them. But like when they were little, right? Um, what a better way for me to proclaim the gospel than to say, "Hey, this is for us to remember what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. His body yeah. broken, his blood poured out for us. This is what he like. What a fantastic way to explain that. Yep. And what a beautiful thing together as a family to celebrate that." And, and to remember what Jesus has done and so that those kids who hadn't put faith in Jesus yet can go, wow, this is what Jesus did for me. And I just don't know why, why are people so bothered by that? Yeah. I don't understand. I'll tell you why, why I think is because it's been what, what they have done forever Tradition. and they're defensive about it. Yeah. They, it's, it, they're so emotionally connected to how they've always done the Lord's Supper. Yeah. They're unwilling to go, okay, wait. And what, what we had to do was go, wait, are we doing this biblically or are we doing right. this just based on how we were taught? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the, people take ownership of their traditions. They just do. And they take it personally. And so um, most people are not questioning what it means to take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. They're just using what they've always been taught. But I, I can't think of a, a single Christian friend that I, I have that genuinely believes that forgiveness is up for grabs still. 
Like every Christian friend that I know believes that they're forgiven because of faith in Christ. I know some that don't. Do you? Well, that have at least told me that recently. Yeah. Where they believe that we have forgiveness from the cross, but if we sin, oh, yeah. there is unforgiveness that it like rests on us. And until we repent. And there's a break between us and God. <laughs> yeah. And then until we repent, that relationship isn't restored to which I asked, like, well, what happens if you die as a Christian? And then and well, you the, haven't the, confessed the, the your grace. sin yet. Yeah. And he said, uh, I feel like just the grace of God covers that. And I was like, where are you getting that from in the text? And he was like, I don't know. Which is super weird that... No, you're not forgiven unless you ask for forgiveness, unless you can't ask for forgiveness. And the then only you're place that yeah, usually people go to that is First John 1, 9, which I think is which a Which is out of context. Yeah. So, yeah. so it, it's one of these things that like most, most people believe that the blood of Christ is sufficient. Mm-hmm. That, well, you know what? I, I am in my statement. I think that we see a lot of confusion about that. We see a lot of people who- They could say it, but that by actions and what they do- Yeah, they're conveying that they, they believe, believe something that. different. And, and so the Lord's Supper- um, the other, the other question that people ask is the, the regularity of it. Like, um, in acts, we see that as often as they were meeting, they were having supper. And then there's another place and and that could be debatable. That could be a different supper. And then there's another place in acts that says when the disciples came together, when the, the believers came together, they, they partook in the breaking of bread together. And so like, yeah, there's the breaking of like bread acts and, too. Yeah. So there's the breaking yeah, of bread that was and a, there's supper. Right. Well, that was a cultural thing, like a Jewish thing where they yeah. would break bread in each other's houses. That would be like saying, we're going to get together for dinner. Yeah. But I don't both, know if you could make a statement both that those seem are, to be implied. Uh, and there's acts two and then like a chapter or two later. So like early on in acts, both are implied regular supper and the Lord's supper. It's, but it's still thin. Yeah. And, I mean, I think that's in my mind. That's the same thing. Like the people who say, "Here's the here's the amount of times you have to do the Lord's Supper right. as a body." It's 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 a hazy because there I is mean, an instruction. I, I feel like this. At the least, we could say, "Man, it would be a good idea to at least celebrate it once a year." Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, because that's how it was. But I, I I'll give into this. Like that was the Jewish celebration. Like Jesus right. saying, "I'm yeah. changing this to represent me." Right. You know. So like in, in Corinth, these aren't. Well, and seemingly there are people in the church in Corinth who, who aren't, um, who probably aren't Jews right? or at least Jews who have lived in Corinth. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's, there are probably people in Corinth who are getting saved that aren't Jews. It seems to be clear. Yeah. So these aren't people who are celebrating the Passover. Right. Right. Well, the other thing that we have said is we, we, like we advocate that if you want to do the Lord's Supper, do the Lord's Supper. So like if, if you're a family and you, you're like, Hey, we we do the Lord's supper when we do family Bible study or whatever. Like we think, we think that's beautiful. Like Mm -hmm. the, the aim of it, as we've said over and over is to remember and to think on and to proclaim the death of Christ until he returns. Yeah. And, and so use it for that purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, Let that be the, I don't know, the aim of it and the, and let that determine like how often you want to do it. There was a church that I, I used to go to a long time ago uh, in my early twenties and they had three or four Lord's Supper tables around the sanctuary. It was a fairly large sanctuary. And they would, um, like after the first worship song, they would take two or three minutes. And then they would just say, look, here's what these tables are here for. This is what it's what a rem- the village used to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is what it's a, a reminder of. And if you want to lead your families to do that while we continue in worship, you're welcome to do that. And there were always people who did that and people who didn't. Um, I've always thought that that's a really interesting idea. I don't uh, hate it. Uh, I, I think it would be something interesting for us to discuss in the new space when we actually have room for people to get up and move. Mm-hmm. But, um, but also I think there's something beautiful about taking it together. Yeah. Uh, corporately. 
And so, but I, but I also think that neither one of those is right or wrong. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think that I think both have purpose. And I think you're doing it in the privacy of your own home. I think you could ask the question, like, why are you doing this? Right. Is it to remember yeah. the body and blood of Jesus? Right. And then we can have a conversation about all the other details. Right. And mm-hmm. I've been in a few weddings where people, right after they pronounce their vows, the husband and wife want to take the Lord's Supper together, kind of. And I think that's awesome. If it's a proclamation, like, look, we're proclaiming what Christ has yeah. done. And, and so that's the point behind it, right? This is a proclamation of the cross. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so... People go, yeah. And here's the question that we're going to get asked. I know we are. And they're going to say, well, how can a non-believer proclaim the cross? All we're saying is the parameter isn't in the text. We're not saying the person proclaims that. Right. We're saying that the the yeah. the 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 bread and the wine or the bread and grapes or whatever you take, yeah. that's the thing that pro it's that thing that reminds you of what Christ has done. Yeah. And I think we three at least are uncomfortable adding a parameter that the text does not add. Right. Mm-hmm. Like we're not gonna. I think that when Paul says you're proclaiming this, I think he's saying like when you do this meal together, what you're doing in the meal is proclaiming the body and blood of Jesus. It's not Mm -hmm. that each person who takes it is in that moment proclaiming, if that makes sense. I don't think contextually that's what he's saying. I think he's Mm -hmm. saying like when you get together to do this, you are proclaiming, uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. It's just... It's such an interesting thing. Verse 26 of 1 Corinthians 11, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, I, I don't know. I mean, someone, I guess you could make, someone could, I'd be interested to hear that. Like someone's making a case as an individual, like you are proclaiming the death of Christ until he comes. I think he's saying like the, the action of taking the Lord's supper mm-hmm. as a, as a assembly, if you will. Yeah. It's the Lord's supper that proclaims it. Yeah. The, I've always wondered if this plus sorry real quick yeah please why would I be bothered by that if like is it possible that an unbeliever could pro- if that's what it was if it was an individual that an unbeliever could proclaim the death of Jesus till he comes mm-hmm. <laughs> like wh- why is that the conversation from the text like why is it the conversation like well it's it's each of us proclaiming the the, the Lord's death until he comes and how could an unbeliever do that I don't, first of all, I don't understand why that's a conversation from the text because there's nothing in the text that's discussing unbelievers or believers in terms of Lord's Supper. Right. Secondly, are you saying that that's not possible? That if, if that's what it was, that each person is proclaiming the death until Jesus comes, is it not possible that someone, anyone who takes Lord's Supper isn't proclaiming the death until he comes? How are you saying that it's not possible for an unbeliever to proclaim the death of Jesus until he comes? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not it's not making a Christian declaration or like in person, like it's not saying, you know, I don't know. It's he's contrasting why they are doing it the way they're doing it. Yes. So this, all I'm saying is like people can get into these nuanced conversations about these little sections in here without understanding the whole thrust of what Paul's saying is to stop taking it in a way that it's not intended to be taken. Right. It's intended to remember. So you can remember what Jesus has done and proclaim his death till he comes. So do it that way. Mm-hmm. Don't just come eat because you're hungry and drink because you want to get drunk. Mm-hmm. Don't do it in an unworthy manner, which I, I freaking love that Paul's like, because you're doing it this way. Some of you gotten sick and some of you even died. Almost like, yeah. <laughs> almost like God's like, uh-uh. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're not going to do that. You're not going to defame the, the cross like that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, this is how important it is. And I, why can't we approach it that way? This has the weight of the cross. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, there's only, there's only one other place in the scripture that the Lord's table is mentioned. Um, like this, and it's it's super interesting, and I don't know all the implications of it, so I might be talking myself in circles or under a corner here. But Malachi, 
very last book for us of the Old Testament, not, and I'm saying for us because it wasn't the last book of the Jewish Old Testament because the Jewish Old Testament ended in Second Chronicles because it had the books in a different order. And you're going, wasn't Malachi in the book of the Jew? Anyway, it doesn't matter. So in our Bible as it stands now, Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. And he says this, a son honors his father, a servant honors his master. If I them and father, where is my honor? If I am master, where is my respect? Says the Lord of hosts, O priest who despise my name, but you say, how have we despised your name? You are presenting defiled food upon my altar. So that's, there's the context. You say, how have we defiled you? In that you say the table of the Lord should be despised. So there were priests who were saying the table of the Lord should be despised. And then he goes down a little bit further and he says, oh, that there were one among you who would shut the gates that you would not... Uh, uselessly kindle fire on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from you from the rising of the sun, even to its setting. My name will be great among the nations and in every place incense is going to be offered in my name and a grain offering that will be pure for my name will be great among the nations, but you keep on profaning it and by saying the table of the Lord should be despised and all of its food and all of its fruit is to be despised. So again, here, there was an intent for the sacrifices and the priests are going, screw the intent. We don't care. Uh, And they were offering lame and blind offerings, right? Mm. Which was contrary to the intent. And he's calling the altar the Lord's table. And he says, you are using the altar contrary to its intent. And you're despising the Lord's table. And so over the intent is the problem. Yeah. And and so you come back over to 1 Corinthians 11, and that's the problem. Your your intent is wrong. Yeah. It's not... And, and so, I don't know. Here's, it here's, feels like those fit in. I don't know if they fit in completely. But Here's, I think, look at a practical level. Here's what I would say to people, I think, is like, listen, if if you, because of the tradition you grew up in or some emotional attachment you have to how you've always done it, if you are incredibly uncomfortable, say, as a parent, letting your kids who aren't believers take the Lord's Supper, then don't let them take the Lord's Supper. Yeah, yeah. that's what that. I'm saying. Like, but do not miss the chance to proclaim the, the body and the blood of Jesus and his death mm-hmm. until he comes to your kids. Like, don't yeah. let it be exclusive. Let it be inclusive, even if you don't let them take it. Yeah. You like, know what I'm bring them with you. Yes. Take it with let them. Let them see that this uh, is what yeah. the intent and purpose of it yeah. is. I, I don't, we don't feel like it's an issue to yeah. let our unbelieving kids take it. Mm-hmm. I also am saying, I don't feel like it's an issue if you're a parent and you're like staunch, like, I'm not going to let them do that. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. I might ask you why. Yeah. Biblically, and you're not going to be able to give you an answer. But like, what I'm saying is, don't, to your point, in the midst of all the nuanced conversations, let's not miss the purpose of this, right. the mm-hmm. intent. I, I think that a parent who insists on on that, like that my unbelieving child can't take it, I think what I would say to them is, because we're still teachers of our children, don't tell them it's because God, like be honest about it. Don't don't be like- Just say, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, just say, look, I, I don't really know what the yeah, Bible don't says tell about them. this. That's true. If someone said the Bible says we can't do that, I would say, then I have a do problem. not say that to them. Yeah, because that, you can't, Unless you can make a case, which you can't. You can't. But like, but like, yeah, don't put it on God. Yeah. Just say like, Own listen, it. yeah, just say like, listen, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with this because I grew up in a tradition where you're not we, supposed to. Yeah. And so let's look at it more. Let's talk about it more between now and next time. But uh, I can't, I can't wait to hear parents explain it like that. But, but at least be, <laughs> I can't, I can't let you do this because I'm uncomfortable because but, I grew up doing it. This but you way. know what? I, I appreciate that a lot because it's honest, mm-hmm. right? That's true. And, yeah. And, so to me, I appreciate that way more than somebody telling their kids, God won't let you take it. That's yeah, not okay. Exactly. Yeah. So to me, you're being honest at least. Yeah. And you're going, look, I, because because I think it does, I think that there is a level of personal conviction in this that like, sure. so if if you feel like you're not taking the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner, like there's a level to which it's like, 
I think you should ask though. Like, yeah, you and I have personal conviction. That was wrong. I know. Yeah, you know so what I'm saying. We, like, we push those people. I, I, yeah. I just don't want someone to. Re- I don't want someone to rest in their feelings. No, I, I if, want them to get sweaty under the collar like I did that day. Yeah. But I, I think it's a. I think that, I think if you're looking your kid in the face and they're like, "Can I take it?" and they're not a believer, and you're not comfortable with it, then let that be the reason you give them for not letting them take yes, it, absolutely. rather than putting it on God, because absolutely. biblically you can't put it on God. Right. Yeah. So just own it. Own own your frailty. Mm-hmm. which I think is way more respectable yeah. than putting the blame on God for something that he hadn't said. Mm-hmm. And, and then digest it, mm-hmm. <laughs> figure it out, yeah. you know? But I think we as parents miss a lot of opportunities to teach our kids because we give them pat answers. Mm. Um, like kids ask hard questions. My, my nephew, he asks, he has so many stinking questions. He's like one of the most inquisitive kids I've ever known in my life. Mm-hmm. And he just asks, tons of questions and to my sister's praise she doesn't ever just go who knows or well mm-hmm. we don't she, she tells them and then she's like uh okay um this might be <laughs> one that you don't need to know the answer to it seven can we revisit this <laughs> you know but like yeah she doesn't just fluff it uh, slough it off you know mm-hmm. like she she gives them answers yeah and uh and i think we as parents in our in the things of christ i, I think it's beautiful when a parent can go look I'm not comfortable with you taking this. This is a new thought for me. I, I need to spend some time studying the Bible about it so I can see. And and then let's talk about it again. And I yep. think that's a great spot to be in. Yep. Mm-hmm. Just but, don't forget the intent. Right. I, I think I think what happens a lot of times is we tell our kids who aren't believers, you can't take it. And we exclude them from the whole process. And we right. forget that that's the intent. Yeah. Yeah. Is to let our kids See, remember the body and blood of Jesus and proclaim his death until he comes. Like, yeah. that's the intent. Don't miss the intent. Um, I think there's a lot of people who haven't taken the Lord's Supper because they feel like they're condemned by their sin. Yeah. And I think that's almost, a, that really is a slap in the face of Jesus saying what you sure. did is not enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's come to the Lord's Supper as the means by which we're reminded yeah. of of what God did for us through Jesus and let that be the thing. A reminder of the grace we have received. Yeah, and if, yeah. if someone was like in the midst of sin in that moment, like let that be the thing that brings you back to a place where you're, you're, you're reminded of what God did for you. And so yeah. it makes you stop being stupid. Yeah, I, th- I think it would be really helpful in, as a whole, and mm-hmm. if people are having these conversations, if they quit asking the questions, who can and can't take it, how often should they take it, all questions that the Bible don't does not answer, mm-hmm. and just let the conversation be about the purpose of it. Yep. What mm-hmm. is the purpose of the Lord's yep. Supper? Yeah. I was one of those kids that, was, that wasn't allowed to have it, and then I was— Oh, I'm sure I wasn't um, but so, I became a believer when I, I was young. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was seven, I said the prayer, got baptized. That's the thing I said a few weeks ago. Like, I don't think that's when I got saved. But uh, according to the Baptist tradition, I was 100% saved. And sure. So uh, I, whenever the plate was passed to me with the, the little square pieces of bread, I just did what I always did. I just passed it along. And my dad goes, no, you can take this now. And I was like, what? Whoa. I'm part of the club? I can be like everybody else. And so I held my stuff so proud there. Like, Let's do it. Let's go. <laughs> But I, uh, I had no idea what the purpose was. One like, of the thought in the conversation is um, it doesn't seem like there were ever times, at least in the scripture, where there were the Lord's Supper was taken outside of the assembly or the gathering of the believers. True. Yeah. And so I think that that's important to remember, too, is it's, it's um, I don't, this is total my thought. I don't think you show up at your family's Thanksgiving meal where you're the only person who's a believer. 
and you're like, and let's celebrate the Lord's, celebrate Supper. The Lord's yeah. Supper. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. It's, the, it's the gathering or assembly of the believers, yeah. whether it's a small group of believers or sure. a large group. But yeah, we've encouraged church families to do it on Christmas Day. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah as a family, but it, but not like, you're not just going to show up to your friend's party at barbecue and be like, hey, let's celebrate the Lord's <laughs> Supper. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, it was the assembly, yeah. the gathering of the believers yeah, there was is where they did it. Yeah. There. I bet you can make a killing, though, like selling like travel kits, like Lord's <laughs> Supper travel kits, <laughs> and be like, convert your friends today. <laughs> <laughs> travel size. <laughs> Oh man! But don't for real. That's don't what do we're that. saying. Don't do that for the travel kit thing. Those uh, those sealed um juices and were packages terrible. they had for COVID oh. was like the worst thing of. Oh yeah, yeah. We, we used straight we up used styrofoam. For Christmas Eve. I think service. I, I think yeah. I would have rather just shared COVID with somebody and been sick for the next five days than eat one of those. And they were so awkward things. to open. I won't ever use them again. That's true. Yeah, they were they, a pain. They were. Yeah, and there's nothing convenient about them at all. <laughs> I wish that I had practiced opening it before the first Christmas Eve service we did because mm-hmm. I was like, okay, let's take this. And then I'm up there fumbling <laughs> for what felt like forever trying to figure out how to open did, it. Did you see yeah. what I did? Huh? I brought a Capri, Capri Sun straw with me and went, boom, pop through the top. <laughs> no, I'm, really, I'm joking. I was like, that would have been, that'd been really good. <laughs> out there. <laughs> so, so sucking on it. Oh, uh, man. Well, I think one last thought on this. I think, okay, we, we are not Jews and we are not celebrating the Passover. Mm-hmm. But I think some of the solemnity of the Lord's Supper can be better understood if you understand what Passover accomplished. Yeah. Does that mm. make sense? Yep. Yeah. So if, if you think about the judgment that God brought on Egypt and that the blood of the lamb on the doorpost caused God to pass over those people and that the people in, in their rooms, in their houses, had to eat the lamb, the lamb of sacrifice, and the blood was on the doors, then then taking the bread and and partaking of the blood are symbolic of the Passover lamb by which we're we're passed over. Yeah. And and the wrath of God is passed over us. Yeah. Because, and so like there there is some solemnity to it because I, I always I tried to imagine years ago, I mean years and years ago, uh 25 maybe years ago, the people those Jews in Egypt, in their homes, with the blood on the doorpost and eating the lamb with their sandals on their feet, their staff in their hand and their cloak tucked into their belt, like ready to go. And and I can't imagine that there was a lot of levity in that moment, mm. joking and look, you know what I mean? Like there was, there was some weight to it. Mm. And, and like- Yeah, there, there are people dying across the country at that moment. Yeah. And, and so like, I think, I think when we think about the cross, which is why we read so many scriptures that we do and point people because there is, there is a solemnity to it. There is a, a weight to what we're proclaiming. Yeah. And, uh, and it's not flippant. It's not no careless. And so, no, no. yeah. The other thing I forgot to say, I was going to come back to oh, yeah. later, um, was, and I don't think this is a must, but it's interesting to me that the Passover and then the Lord's supper was always a meal. Yeah. It's just, I mean, I don't think it has to be. Yeah. But it is an interesting conversation. Like, why is it not something we still do where we celebrate a meal? Well, and to, all right, let's, let's poke at that a little bit before we quit this topic. Why don't you, you personally, why don't you feel as strongly about that as you do the grape juice? Um, I probably do. I just haven't thought through it. Thought through it enough. Um, <laughs> so the four fifty six will start just, doing a meal. I'm just okay. not. I, yeah. I think I haven't. Like we haven't had that conversation. We have had the conversation about the grape juice and the wine. So yeah. mm-hmm. I, I don't want to like. I probably do feel just as strongly about it. We just haven't hashed it out yet. Let's that hash that sense. out. That'll be a fun conversation. Because I, I don't, I don't see any other context. Like, why yeah. is Paul getting onto him if it's if they had these little tiny cups? <laughs> yeah, wine, clearly it's not bread, that. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's clearly not that. So, 
And, and I don't, here's what I think maybe where, where I feel like it's similar to the conversation about wine and grape juice. If you use grape juice and little tiny little squares, I'm not going to call those bread. I don't know what that is, but yeah. um, if you use that as the Lord's Chalk. supper, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> make sure the intent is to remember the body and blood of Jesus and reclaim mm-hmm. his death until he comes. If you celebrate the Lord's supper as a meal um, and not just as the like little right so like so, sorry let me back up if you use the grape juice and the little things and not little bread things and not wine let the intent be to remember right. jesus and the cross if you use wine let the intent be remembered cross this is why i think it's the same yeah. if you do like a little tiny bread and a little cup remember the cross if you do a whole meal remember the cross that's what yeah. i think yeah. the the important thing but i do it's, it's in conversation to be had i agree with you that that has to be the primary discussion yep. everything else can be secondary but it is an interesting point. And I'm wondering if as churches grew in size, right? Um, you talk about a meal for 400 people. That looks differently than if you talk about a meal for 20 people. Granted, there haven't been a lot of churches through the centuries that have been 400 people. No, mm-hmm. very, very few. new thing. Yeah. And and so what if... There's still not that many technically across the world. No, no, no. Percentage-wise, it's very, very We're small. We're not even there. No. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's just one of those things that like, that would be a fun discussion. And maybe the church in an effort to just kind of, maybe maybe one of the problems is the church has tried to include it I as don't, a part of the service. I don't think it's positive. I'm not sure about this. I have a feeling it came from the Roman Catholic Church. Maybe. Mm. Yeah. But it's, but I'm just saying like it, it has become a part of a whole service. So it can't take up in our minds. It can't take up 45 minutes or an hour. It's got to take up five or 10 minutes tops mm-hmm. so we can move on to the next yeah. thing. What if we started Unless treating it- Unless you're a charismatic or a black church, then it's fine. Oh yeah, heck sure. yeah. Which would be what, amazing. What mm-hmm. if we started treating it? This is a conversation that I'm excited to have and you will have to, <laughs> people will have to come talk to us at the 456 to see where we landed on it. <laughs> yeah. But I think it would be kind of fun to, to, I don't know. I think it'd be kind of fun to explore this idea of it being a meal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think initially right now, here's how I feel. I don't feel like it's wrong to use grape juice. Yeah. And I don't feel like it's wrong to take the Lord's Supper as not a meal. Yeah. As long as the intention. Now, that being said. Is there a better way? I, I like that we serve one. Yeah. And I think I would probably like that we do it as a meal. Yeah. And even Bibl- it, biblically. What if, what if this became like our... Um, what if this kind of became the Sunday before Easter every year? You know? Oh my gosh, that would mm. be amazing. Where we started doing, that was Where the whole close. service. Yeah. Ooh. And it was a meal. Mm-hmm. I like that a yeah, lot. Yeah. I like it a lot. And it, what we did the first, the Sunday before Easter every year is had a meal together and, mm-hmm. and talked about the Passover pointing to Jesus and then talked about. I mean, we're going to have this building where we can like set up tables and stuff. Now. That's true. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Hmm. So we'll start promoting that now. Yeah. And get people there. Next Easter. Pack it up. Passover supper. Yeah. What uh, is the Sunday Lord's before supper. Easter called? In which tradition? Palm Sunday, some people. Palm yeah, Sunday. That's, that's, that's the one I'm thinking. Okay. Palm, There's Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and then Resurrection Sunday. I'm just trying to remember all the, what do they call that? Yeah. Um, Holy Week. Yeah. Holy Week from Sunday up to I, the next I, Sunday. In my brain, I was, in my, I was trying to remember the same term when I was going. And so I ended up saying the week before Easter. Yeah. <laughs> but in, in my head, I kept thinking dark Sunday. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I don't think it's dark I've heard, Sunday. I've heard bloody Sunday before, but I don't know if that's just reference to the song. I just hesitate on all those things because I know where most of those terms come from. Right, True. right, right. And I don't like where they came from. Yeah, no, yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Well, now we're finishing and I feel like we're just starting. We've just opened up a whole new thing sorry. that I want to think about. Talk about it. Don't we'll, be sorry. We'll I'm, ex- do, I'm excited. 
Well, this is to, going to be a fun conversation. I mean, there's an aspect of that that we've already promised that we're going to go through it and then potentially have next year look differently as we do so we services. Do, so we'll do an update. We like, need to do this episode like in January or February next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that give everybody the update. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, update yeah, yeah. Before resurrection Sunday. Lead comes. up to it. That'd be dope. I'm looking forward to it. So, Me too. Uh, so simpler view, uh, the Lord's Supper is about the Intent. cross. Yeah. 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 The intention of Lord's Supper is the, is the cross. Um, well, and, and that's the key, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's Jesus. Uh, everything else is not Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Why are we debating about all the things that aren't Jesus? People just like to debate, man. They really like to. Um, you know who there's no debate in loving though? <sighs> Steven. <laughs> man. We are at the Garden Audio as always. Uh, go check him out on social media. Go to at the Garden Audio, like his pictures, view his stories. And uh, if you want to, if you have some free time on your hand, comment on every single photo, how thankful you are. And about. have you noticed how beautiful this place is? Oh, so wow. Kenzie, man, you it's came in here and cleaned clean. it up. Clean. Wow. We, and we didn't even realize how dirty it was. And we're, we're just a group of dirty men. <laughs> That's right. Uh, if you want to see more Not of us way. dirty men, we are at Simpler Pod <laughs> on social media. Uh, go check us out. Um, we've got over the past, uh, like the past few episodes, a handful of them have been requests have been questions have have Mm -hmm. topics that to discuss and so one of the great ways uh, if you don't have any of our personal numbers uh, go to social media go at simpler pod on instagram shoot us a message and say hey i'd love to hear more about this Mm -hmm. um if you aren't subscribed yet wherever whatever platform you're on right now spotify youtube whatever uh be sure to subscribe be sure to turn on notifications as we um as we're discussing and as we're learning as we as we've just as this episode wrapped up we're excited to continue to pursue um, the, the biblical truth of the Lord's Supper and to Absolutely. put that put that into action here and now. And so join us for the ride, subscribe. And so that yeah. way you can know uh, the new the new things we're discussing and the the older topics that we're revisiting and, and hashing out continued. So we love you. We're thankful that you're part of this community. And as always, keep Christ as core. What could be simpler than that? And we'll see you next week. Good, Bye. Good one.